You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 196, Rainbow, Stranger in Us All, Part 1. And coming to you from the bleeding heart suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, John, the return of Mootie's reviews, <laughs> Matola. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And coming to you from the frightened streets of Las Vegas, I am your co-host, rain-soaked Scott Haskin. <laughs> rain-soaked in Vegas. How's that? We had like three we drops three and everyone's stories. panicking. We have three big stories here right now. <laughs> big, big ones, all competing. All right, Vegas first. What happened in Vegas? Is it going to stay there or are you going to tell everybody? <laughs> it, it rained like three drops and the whole town seems to be panicking that <laughs> it rained. Shut down. <laughs> it's just like the, because well, my car broke down, I blew a tire as you guys know, because we were supposed to start recording like 70 hours ago. <laughs> and um, and and so the tow truck kept delaying because it's raining. And I'm like, it, there's not even any accumulation. Like the ground is slightly wet. Now, in all fairness, when it rains here, uh, rain does collect quickly because the ground is so hard that it doesn't soak it up like it does back east. Sure. But uh, not, I mean, there was no, nothing to panic about. So, yeah. So everyone's just terrified because it's, you know, rained a couple of drops. Yeah, that'll I mean, happen. Water is literally falling from the <laughs> sky. How do we handle this? Well, before John gets into his thing, so this this morning I had back in December, I had scheduled all my like a bunch of like doctor's appointments. I'm like, I'm just going to instead of staggering these, I'm getting everything done in one day. So I had like six doctor's appointments today, including my kid, his wow. orthodontist and everything. So I woke up this morning. I went, I fasted, got my physical, got my blood drawn for my test. And then I went to my dermatologist and he like. So he was talking about this medication to give me for my, you know, I the one thing I share in common with JLT is alopecia. So there's this new medicine that was been threatening to, be, to come out for a while, um, and it's finally out. And I was like, so what's the deal with that medicine? He's like, oh, well, uh, we have to do blood tests for us. I was like, great, I just did a blood test. Um, so I have to go back. So, yeah, so I went to, like, a third facility and got uh, my blood drawn again in the other arm. So I feel like I've given a, I, I've given about eight vials of blood today. Um so, so these beers are really gonna really gonna take effect quickly tonight. <laughs> I feel like it's that episode where that episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns went like for every like he'd never got he hadn't gotten a checkup in like eighty years and they send him for like every test like on that one day and they showed him going through like the the, the machine like the and they were like. <laughs> They were trying to find a vein. They pricked his arm and it was like the needle went right through because he's so frail. <laughs> they sent him through like the, the paper sorter from the movie nine to five. And yeah, that was <laughs> that was a great episode. Well, I, I I did go to the I did get my checkup last year, so I don't know what the story is. But um, so so for Joe, John, for those of us or our listeners who are maybe new to the show and aren't familiar with. Mutis. Why don't you give us a little background, and then I don't even know what you're going to talk about, but then tell us what what's the update. I'll, I'll give a I'll give a short version. So, 
Mutiz was the snake in the grass son of a bitch that I <laughs> <laughs> that I got an Airbnb from back in August um, when I went to Montreal. He was um, he was non-responsive. He pulled the old bait and switch on me. Uh, an hour before we got there, was like, "Oh, this place isn't." isn't habitable, but I'll upgrade you to another place with no documentation. And we got there and it was worse. Um, so anyways, complain, complained. If you want to hear it, Nate will link it in the show or something, the whole sure. sordid tale. But anyways, so I'm on Airbnb uh, app recently uh, looking to book for, um, you know, another future trip. And um, if anybody that uses the app knows that when you go down there, it shows like uh, you're, you're, previous trips. <clears throat> There's an area you can tap for that. So, um, you know, so I always do because, um, I don't know, just kind of force a habit like, well, what was the last place I went? And that was it. Although now um, Mutiz's name is uh, no longer on it. It is now Alexander. So Alexander. he has been replaced with some other slumlord that's running his affairs or something. They probably just like put somebody up there. The picture looked fake. It looked like somebody from like a real estate ad or something. They took off the internet. Who even knows? But anyways, I was like, well, let's see, you know, let's see what reviews have rolled in since August and they have been a rolling. And, um, so I started going <laughs> through laughing to myself. Um, I, I of course wrote my own review, which was very long. And, um, it was a, it was a tell all. It was my, my tell all, novel so so just just for for those interested um john went so off the rails talking about this during our recording of episode number 175 which was the first part of um the battle rages on that we broke it off into us in a separate bonus episode number 11 from august 26th 2022 check it out wow okay well anyways um and i i love reading reviews and i think i kind of want to make this a uh a thing going forward um because um, I've actually found, um, especially on Amazon, like wherever, like I'll be reading reviews and like usually the first couple are just like some of them are like hilarious. Um, so I've been saving them and now I'm like, I think this should be a segment. But um, anyways, this one, I couldn't believe this was September 2022. So this is like a just, month after. Just after, yeah. Yeah, month after I stayed there. And um, I don't like this was a long review and I don't know why. Because after the first, after the first sentence, like, I don't know why you would need to write anymore. So this is from uh, Lynn in Ottawa or from Ottawa. And in all caps, the subject is disgusting. Do not stay here. So it's <laughs> kind like, of says it all. Intrigued. No, but this is, this is it. You might not want to be chewing on anything <laughs> or drinking anything. <laughs> the, so this is in bullet points, the things that are wrong. The first one. Found a sli- found a slimy sex toy covered in pubic hair in the living room. <laughs> what? <gasps> That's gotta be. <laughs> I mean, come on, really? <laughs> no, there's a lot of stuff after that. But why do you need to write anything else? That's all I need to know. Define either- define covered. <laughs> define slimy. <laughs> uh, define pubic hair. Um, <laughs> Finding a slimy anything anywhere is not a good thing for Airbnb. Which I mean, depending on what you're looking for, this could be a big selling point or a big deterrent. So I don't um, know anybody that's going to really see that as a selling point. Um, well, there's some strange people out there. I mean, if, if um, you know, I, I think 
if it's your sex toy <laughs> and you know why it's slimy, that might be a different story. <laughs> but so, that was, um, yeah. If there's no, anyone but, out there that would be into a room like that, Nate is currently looking to expand his circle of friends. So just contact him. At- <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. That is, um, <clears throat> there was, um, there were a couple of other ones, not as funny, broken toilet seat, um, substantial mold in the shower, substantial, not good. Bathroom vent not working, encrusted with dust, and switch was broken. Hmm. Uh, day before, check-in received with a notice in capital letters, no towels, bring your own towels. <laughs> Who brings <laughs> towels on a vacation? Um, well, <laughs> well, this is a beach vacation. But you know what? That was another one that I had seen previously, and I'm like, all right, this Airbnb doesn't offer towels, so we did bring towels. But um, I'm just like... That obviously was not really that cool. Um, and then furnishings, not as pictured, blah, 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 you know, which, you know, is all true, but nothing really um, interesting about that part of it. I just thought, like, you know, we found, you know, you just, can you imagine just walking in and you're like, you open the door, you're like, ah, put your luggage down, and you look <laughs> in the living room, you're like, whose dildo is that? <laughs> And who's the person who left and was like, oh, no, I forgot. I feel like I keep feeling like I forgot something. (laughs) Frank, is that yours? (laughs) (laughs) Honey, we got to go back. (laughs) I'll buy you another one. Oh, man. Mootiz. Andrew, what's his name? Matthew? Alexander. Alexander. Yeah. No, he's he's slimy. He's the one that's slimy. He knows you called him out by name on that episode. So now he's going by Alexander. Yeah, so if we beware, if we get any new patrons named Alexander, then uh, they may be here under. <laughs> and, under and they're like, trying "Hey, to, could you give me your home address? I really would like to send you a gift." <laughs> oh God! Now, was it was it them or was it the the place that Airbnb placed you at afterwards, where they double booked it and another mm. couple people showed up? No, they they didn't. Uh, Airbnb didn't place me anywhere else. That was Mutiz that placed them there. Mutiz placed me somewhere else. And he had double booked that spot, right? Didn't two other yes. people show up? Yeah. Yeah. And there were some other reviews that I read where the same thing happened was, is that uh, they had people knocking on the door and they opened up and they're like, we're supposed to be here. And they're like, no, we're supposed to be here. So, I mean, I feel better knowing I'm not the only one, but I'm just sorry that, you know, I'm, I'm not only that, I'm just really confused on how it keeps happening when people report this. And when there were like, there were over 200 reviews on this. Yeah. At this point, and I they're the, like, I think Airbnb clearly does not care, but they wouldn't place me anywhere else because technically, and I think that's what this guy knows is that when we were like less than an hour out and he gave us that option, it's like, well, I booked this place like weeks and weeks in advance. Like, what am I going to do an hour before? I was like, you know, we're either going to pay a lot or we're going to be far away from the destination I wanted to be. So I accepted. And their thing is, is like, well, you accepted the alternate accommodation. So therefore, right we can't do anything because you said yes. And it's like, well, you know, technically, yeah. But if I knew what I was saying yes to, <laughs> I wouldn't have, yeah, exactly. wouldn't have agreed to it. <clears throat> but at least uh, I can say I did not find a slimy anything except maybe a trash can. <laughs> a, slimy, uh, a slimy host. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, slimy host. So we want to make it right for you as long as we get it right on the first shot. If we don't, you're just too yeah, bad. You're screwed. Mm, yeah. So anyway. um, I, I got a, a giant uh, for Christmas. A, 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 my stocking was filled with delightful uh, confections from mostly from other countries. Um, 
Although, wait, this one isn't really from another country, is it? But these mallow cups, it's like a peanut butter cup, but with marshmallow oh, yeah. instead. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like old school American candy. Yeah, that one, this yeah. one, though, is the Quality Street. It's all these different candies. Like, there's like a legend on the back, so you know which one is which. Nice. Um, that looks like something you get a job lot or something. No, this is like a this is like a British. Oh. Or is it? No, this it might be Canadian. Or it might be both. Not that that's bad. Job lot food can sometimes be good. I think it's 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 made by appointment with Her Majesty the Queen, perhaps. But um, hmm. yeah, it's got a it's got a little legend. I don't know if the Savoy truffle is one of them, but it's got lots of different ones. One of them is oh, called Green it. Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> I think I found it. It is as advertised. It is That's a, a green. very literal translation. Yeah. I'm like what? Uh, it kind of doesn't with the map. Doesn't really make me understand what's in it by calling it a green triangle. Maybe mint? it's mint. Who knows? Yeah. But um. Anyway, hey, listen. They folks. do that with candles though, too. They, you know, they they have like these really weird <clears> names, and it, how are you supposed to know what it's if it if it's an accurate scent? If it's like cozy cozy cabin. <laughs> yes. Cozy cabin, warm, warm chestnut. They're putting tobacco and everything now, like vanilla and tobacco yeah. candles. It's very weird. Like, Fig and tobacco. It's just strange. Yeah, it's I like, you know what I miss the smell of? Like somebody blowing cigarette smoke in my face. Yeah, <laughs> well, right. does it, 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 it tastes like, or tastes like, smells like fresh tobacco, which is actually not a bad smell. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, yeah, but, but um, well, yeah, burning tobacco maybe not so much. But hey, folks, they just listen. Can't, they can't market it as Dad's ashtray. <laughs> Dad's ashtray that'd be absolutely great. Yeah, I mean, you could just burn some papers in a bowl. Um, hey, folks, if you want to help support our show, um, support uh, John for his his grievances with Airbnb and help help uh, Scott with his car. <laughs> And me with my 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 arms, which are all sore from needles. Um, you can do so a number of ways. One is you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. That gets you a play on one of and the in the percussion instrument of your choice. Um, you can also buy merch at our Etsy store, which I think they're going to shut down like in a day or so. So maybe I shouldn't even mention it because um, <laughs> they're like why? Update. Because there were no sales? No, or? they're like update your banking information. I was like, I don't want to. I'll just. I've been talking <laughs> about closing the store forever. Maybe I can just let it close on its own. Um, but if you want to sure let Etsy close it, yeah. If the Etsy link doesn't work the thing and you really want a t-shirt or mug just shoot me an email and we'll figure it out um you can become a patron on patreon or on paypal for as little as one dollar a month help support the show you can also donate using dollar sign dppod on cash app um, another way to help support the show we really appreciate um, any support that we can get and speaking of patrons hey hey we Hey-o. have a new patron coming in at the $1.71 I want my own tier tier Rich Shaler friend of the show Rich. Hall of Famer um, our, our soon to be travel companion which we'll get to in a minute I guess I even forgot to put that in the notes um, one of the amigos that's right one for, of the caballeros for Rich's uh, birthday he received a little gift card from his wonderful daughter that was a, a patronage to the show as well as a, a Deep Purple podcast mug uh, not not mug um, Christmas ornament ornament right yeah like a handmade ornament so I forget I th- did he say it was one or both of his daughters gave it to him I, I think he said it was one but I don't um, I don't, I don't remember. He will, he will let us know. Um, Either way. But, uh, yeah, very, very cool. I don't think that lice, that ornament was licensed though, but since we stole the font, I, I don't think we have <laughs> in the logo. <laughs> 
So yeah, if we're gonna sue, I think we're in, we're in, we we don't have a strong legal footing on that one. No. Uh, but yeah, it was great looking. I want to get one of those for my tree. Uh, looked really good. But hey, not so fast. Heyo, heyo, heyo. We have another patron, Karsten Lau, uh, coming in at the ten Danish krona tier. Uh, so that that's a little bit. Where did it fall when when I last did the little the conversion for the Danish krona? Is it puts him just uh, below rich and just above the one dollar made up name tier? So we got two oh, <laughs> two new tiers good. created. Uh, the Danish <clears throat> krona. How strong is the krona right now? I think it's like a dollar and fifty three cents um, for a ten Danish krona right hmm. now. So thank you, Karsten. I haven't gotten a welcome message or anything from Karsten yet, but if we hear anything back, um, we will put that in our next episode and really appreciate that. And speaking of our patrons coming in at the executive level, we have the $25 uncommon man tier, Ovis Nakfi and purple maniac at the 10 pound tier, Dr. Jill Brees at the turn it up to $11 tier, Clay Wambacher, Frank Tealgard, Mortensen, Allen, ain't too proud to beg and Mickelstein. And at the $10 someone came to here, Ryan M., Jeff Bryce, Victor Campos, and Better Call Saul Evans. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. Um, and while we're speaking of our patrons, I do have a little Christmas, a little, a little uh, item right here that arrived right, I think it was right before Christmas, actually. Um, oh, I say little item, I don't mean literal in any sense. It is both large and very important and quite valuable um and this comes to us from ovis nakvi so um could it be found at an airbnb hotel oh my god it's really heavy <laughs> he did not found it if he does though john i we'll have to have an official deep purple podcast business hotel that um is used only for patrons but this mm. is a book that came out i think in 2012 which is holy sh- the california holy jam wow book. and this thing wow. is oh, i have to hold it back here it's absolutely enormous um oh, oh my god heavy open it up it's got like a something that's in like an envelope that i don't even want to open it's got a um a, a vinyl of the show wow and then it has oh my goodness <laughs> Nate's gonna throw his back out lifting this thing up so this book right here deep purple ontario motor speedway it's all about the deep purple segment of the show and um most interestingly, if I open up to one of the early pages here, where is it? Okay, I'm gonna be very careful. <laughs> wow! So if you can see, it is signed by Wow, Glenn Hughes, John Lord, Ian Pace, and David Coverdale. Wow! Only missing one signature. Um, so. Yeah pretty amazing book it goes through all like the kind of history of the show um the the stuff that we you know we talked about on our episode great tons and tons and tons of pictures of the band performing uh some that you've probably seen online some that i've definitely never seen before but this is like a very very um valuable book both just like memento wise and actual like if you, even if you wanted to buy this one it was brand new it was pretty pricey so um ovis has has been uh we've been in we actually we just chatted this morning um and uh as he was flying somewhere um and trying to figure out how we can get rich how we can trick richie into signing it <laughs> <laughs> and 
as he pointed out, if we are successful in doing this, I mean, we'll have to go to a Blackmore Night show and we'll have to. My idea was just giving him a stack of Blackmore's Night records and just buy a bunch of them and just have that that sheet like in the middle <laughs> of all of them. I'm like, oh, how did that get in there? You know, um, but um, if we are able to do that, this would probably be the only copy in the world that has the signature from all five members of the band. So. That's pretty amazing. Cool. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, I got that right before Christmas and I, after a particularly rough week at work. And I was just like, wow, this is like pretty, pretty sweet gift. Um, and just just shows the generosity of so many of our listeners and the things that they do for us and things that send us and, you know, the communications we have just really, really heartwarming and really great to uh, uh uh, you know, it's obviously a really nice piece to have, even just the information in the book alone. But it's a pretty special piece there. So thank you, Ovis, very much for your continued support. That's amazing. And I literally did know, did not know that that even existed. And you know, I've seen something cool about it, and I've been talking to Ovis for a while now, and he was just like, yeah, hey, I got this thing at my house. I want to get rid of it. And he was just like, I'm not going to ship it from where I am. It's going to be too expensive. So he said, when I'm in the States next, I'll ship And he told me this like the summer, and I was like, okay. He said, next time I'm in the States. And sure enough, he came came in and he like made a beeline for the post office and sent wow. it to me. And boom, showed up. Very well packaged, by the way. Um, well done, Ovis. And yeah. well done, Nate, for lifting that with your weakened, pinpricked arms. I know, right? My my, fra- <laughs> my frail, fragile arms. <laughs> your, your loss of blood, your alcohol BAC going up. <laughs> it's just going up. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I lost uh, Yeah, very much. I think I've probably regenerated all that blood uh, by now. <laughs> Look at this deep purple book. <laughs> just peeling over. topples over. <laughs> uh, but hey, that's not the only thing I got in the mail uh, this week. That's right. It's postcards from the edge of Connecticut. Um, this one is. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to make of this. This is. Um, it, if you can't read it, it says frog effigy pipe. Okay. So it look it's ba- it's like a little a little frog that is apparently a pipe or a bong or something. I don't know. But <laughs> it looks f- like a bong. <laughs> it does look like a bong. And it's a frog with like a little tube coming out of the top that I guess you can smoke out of. Um, and on the back, it says the American Indian Archeolo- Archaeological Institute, Route 199, Washington, Connecticut. A museum and education center for the study of Northeast Woodland prehistory. And then has the hours and a telephone number. So it's mm. probably quite old. Mm. Um, and then on the back, of course, says New Year's 2023. Nate, here's a happy New Year's greeting for you. Pete, P.S. Warm up. So Peter Gardo sending us uh, yet another um, collection for the collection of postcards. It says he's saying warm up because at the time he sent that to me, um, it was like negative, I don't know, 20 degrees here or something. It was very, very Eesh. cold. It was a rough, a rough go of things at work with all that horrible weather. So thanks, Pete. Appreciate the uh, the, the the constant postcards and uh, Pete's in Florida right now on the beach. So in his suit, <laughs> as we talked about before the show. <laughs> <laughs> in a full suit. All right. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check out any like-minded podcasts, check out the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Um, Scott's in a few of those shows. Scott's on the Uriah Heat Podcast. Um, Backtracks, Aerosmith Revisited, and the last few episodes of... Um, um, uh, of uh, <laughs> And the podcast <laughs> and will the rock. the podcast will rock. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, I just listened to them. I can't even remember the name of the show. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um 
So yeah, big thank you to uh, all those great uh, sister and brother shows that we have. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and so here we are. Um, our first, well, this isn't our first, our second album review of the year. Um, but we're kind of reconvening after a long winter's break, probably the longest break John and Oof. I have ever taken. For you, there will be no break, uh, but we haven't recorded yeah. in about five or six weeks. <laughs> So yeah, we're rusty, seamless. seamless, seamless to everybody yeah. else. For us, we're just coming out of hibernation. <laughs> they were all groggy. <laughs> well, that's I why we asked Scott of, to join us so he can keep things on track. That's I right. did a couple of guest shots in that in that time in the interim, but you know that's that was a little more like uh, you know not as not as planned. So yeah, we had we had planned on doing another guest shot that just didn't work out mm. because we, both of our work schedules went absolutely haywire the week of Christmas. So yeah, uh, but looking forward to get on some more shows in the coming year when it's not the holidays. So, all right, guys, Rainbow Stranger and Us All, the final, dare I say, the final Rainbow album. I don't think they're putting out another album yet. No. I think I'm kind it's of safe. surprised, though. I, I really thought that, uh, you know, with, with Richie's sort of being reinvigorated with Ronnie Romero, I would have thought they would have done more than record a couple of singles, yeah. one of which being Black Sheep of the Family again. Right. Um yeah, I really thought they would have done something by now. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it seemed to be the trajectory they were going what three or four years ago, but just never, never materialized. And at this point, I can't see it really coming to pass. So I think it's safe to say this is the final Rainbow album. But hey, you know what? If it's not, we'll cover the final, final one. Um, but but yeah, I don't. Rainbow hasn't played any shows since pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, and I don't see that again happening either, but. Well, um, Richie mentioned that he's been having some problems with arthritis, so I don't know if that might be part of it, but he's, he's still been playing Blackmore's Night stuff, which I would imagine is really hard on the fingers because it's a lot more, you know, finger style picking and, and that. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know, I'm not a guitar player, but it would seem like it. It would seem like it would be. And in some ways you're playing all those acoustic you know, in, in instruments and lutes and everything has got to be harder than playing like an electric guitar with scalloped frets where you don't have to use so much force. Right. But what do I know? Um, so, guys, what is your history with this album? You, Scott, do you want to kick it off? Do you do you have a history with this album? What is it? I do. Um, what was really weird for me is that this album came out and I had no idea. I didn't know for like a year that it was even out. And I... Of course, it went and got it immediately. Um, it it was weird because it it didn't feel like the natural progression for Rainbow. It was kind of like we're going back to the you know medieval fantasy realm in a way. We've gone. We're going to forget all the pop and rock stuff that we were doing and go back to like a rising sort of subject matter. Mm-hmm. But the music did kind of feel like Rainbow in some ways. I don't know. It's, it's a really weird album. It, it, it's one of those things where a band just comes out with an album. You're like, wow, they changed direction. Okay. But overall, I thought it was a good album. Uh, well, I mean, when we get into the individual songs, I, I'll have things to say. But uh, overall, I like it. It's it's probably my least favorite Rainbow album. But that's like saying, you know, what, what's your least favorite gummy fruit? I mean, they're all good. <laughs> Tell that to my kids. Um, but I think... Uh, yeah, it's it's in in line in vain with like uh, Tony Iommi. It, it yeah. was intended to be a Richie Blackmore solo album, but the the record label's like, no, 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 <laughs> we need to have it. Be. So I think I think there was that aspect to it where it wasn't necessarily intended to be a Rainbow album. But John, do you have any history or thoughts on this album? Um, a little 
a little bit. I mean, I was um, I was aware it came out like I knew that Richie had left and gone back to Rainbow and I had picked up the CD or he had started up Rainbow. Rather, I picked up the CD and um, basically like uh, at, at the time I just saw Richie and then a whole bunch of people I didn't recognize. And I immediately became disinterested because that was my <laughs> that was my thought process back then. You know, if it wasn't uh, Joe Lynn Turner and Cozy Powell or whoever else, then it's like, yeah, who cares? So yeah. um, uh, honestly, like I have not heard a damn thing off this album since the year it was released. So I don't remember any of it. Um, it could be great. It could be garbage. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, I just kind of, um, I think maybe in the same similar vein of, as, uh, as Scott said, is, is like, um, I saw that I felt that there was like not a natural progression from where he was to going back to rainbow. Like, I, I don't know what it was, but I just kind of felt like at the time it was disingenuous somehow, or it was, I don't know. It was, it was weird, but I mean, uh, after everything that I knew about, uh, we recently covered in, about purple. And when he left, I have so much more of an understanding of that now it makes more sense that he went back to that and maybe hearing some of the music, it'll make more sense um, even further as to the direction that he was going in at the time. But um, not having access to a ton of information, like I, I just didn't really, I didn't really dig it. I think that was the year that I saw him too on tour. It was. And yeah, um, which was, and walked out because it was so freaking loud. It was the loudest show I've ever been. Like I couldn't hear anything. And like, Rich was, was at a, the show too. Twenty five yeah, years yeah, before. Yeah, me you and met Rich him. had talked about that. Me and Rich were in the same show, and we didn't even know. Yep. Wow. Um, and you know who was playing drums at that show? I forget. John Maselli. <laughs> but um, as as uh, we've we've previously uh, as we've previously <laughs> talked about, uh, it's not the John Maselli that's our patron because that was kind of the first <laughs> the first uh, the question was like, wait, are you the John Maselli that was in Rainbow? <laughs> like, no, I'm not. That would have been so great if it was the same John Maselli. But it, I, it, I just like uh, I'll never forget that the the two friends that I went with, we we literally we couldn't hear anything. It was just at that it, it, it got to the point where it was like all we could hear was just like this high pitched like tone and we're like i i can't hear anything let's just let's just leave this isn't even enjoyable anymore yeah that stinks and i was super disappointed because at that point i mean all the stuff that we like i'd seen all those old videos and stuff of richie and everything so i was expecting a really kind of dynamic sounding show like he had put on at denmark or california jam or whatever and instead it was just this wall of noise and i was like ugh so yeah, and that's actually like physically painful when it's that yeah. loud. It's it's not enjoyable at all. Yeah. Speaking as an audio engineer, I can tell you that nothing will kill a show faster than terrible sound. Yeah. Other than the guitar player not wanting to play. <laughs> that, that also works. <laughs> well, he and wanted to, to play just, that night. Unfortunately, he also wanted to destroy John's uh, John's uh, inner ear. And, and just to appease Rich, uh, that Tony Danza clip that you played was at perfect volume. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 it was. I brought it down to forty percent. I thought he might appreciate that, especially if I got him early in the episode like that. He would. <laughs> he would <laughs> yeah, he'd say, true. "Can I have my? Can I have a refund for my patronage? I'll give it back to my daughter." <laughs> um, so lead up to this album. Uh, well, what was yours, a, Nate? 
Oh, mine? I don't really have a history with this album. I don't remember really listening to it at the time. I have listened to it in recent years, uh, but at the time it came out, it's funny. I kind of skipped over this one and went straight to uh, Blackmore's Night. Um, and th- this mm. is interestingly kind of the like bridge between, I guess, <clears throat> Rainbow, Deep Purple, and into Blackmore's Night. Um, so you can see, you know, Candace has a little bit of an influence on this in songwriting and performance, and you'll hear a little bit of that. Um, it doesn't sound particularly like Blackmore's Night in any way that I, I can remember, but um, but it is kind of a bridge and sh- shows kind of. And I agree with what Scott said. It's it's it is kind of that. Going back to a more of a of a rainbow rising idea and feel versus the you know, the, more, the more polished pop elements of the JLT era, but that's pretty much all I've got. I, I don't really have a a history, a major history with with it at the time, um, but I remember seeing it in stores, and I remember just we'll get to that in a minute. But I remember seeing the album cover and just being intrigued by it. But for whatever reason, I never picked it up. Um. So leading up to this album, I, I've got a number of interviews. Um, RainbowFanClan.com is a great site that's got a lot of information. And they post a lot of uh, articles and, and I mean, I don't know if they post anything anymore, but they've got a, it's a great archive of all the Rainbow stuff. So in the um, magazine Young Guitar, it's a Japanese magazine. Richie's asked how he found the band members. Um, of course, this is Richie, so you have to you know, listen through this as if Richie is saying it and listen for his, uh, you know, his patented uh, dry sense of humor. He's, how did you find the band members? He says, we walked around the city at night looking for musicians. We went to different bars and asked, can you play bass or drums? We have a place in the group for you. And then he laughs. Um, In an interview in a Finnish radio station, he said, I wanted to go back to the music I played when I first created Rainbow. For this, I have selected guys who can do a good job, and I was very unhappy with what I was doing at Deep Purple. This is why I wanted to build Rainbow again. Um, Of course, in other interviews, he said he wanted to be a solo album, so there you go. Um, And and further on in that interview, he says... um, when he's asked about if, if they wanted unknown musicians, he says, yes, I thought about the old guys, but not longer than a couple of seconds, because I think that I did everything I could with all of them in this style. Ronnie Dio is a great vocalist, but he is very limited in the styles that I wanted to hear. Therefore, I did not contact him. Someone suggested Joe Lynn Turner to me. Joe is a good singer, but now he has problems with his voice, so I didn't call him. I wanted a vocalist who could sing like Ronnie Dio and like Joe Lynn Turner, and had a bluesy voice like Paul Rogers. Always comes down to Paul Rogers. With this it always guy. does. He can't get enough of Paul Rogers. Um, <laughs> and I like working with unknown musicians. It's kind of a protest against the system. Many people prefer to confidently recruit band members of, or musicians um, who are known to be good performers and reliable people, but I like to take risks and work with new musicians. And I like it when there is fresh blood and enthusiasm in the group. It's nice to tour with musicians for whom this is all a novelty. We're not tired of it, and working with professionals who have been doing this for many years is a bit boring. Okay, oh, I can see valid- validity in that. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that, you know that the thing that's not said is you could probably pay them a lot less, and <laughs> they'll be There's able validity to, in that as you well. Could probably uh, have them do exactly what you want a little more, and all that too. I just wonder if the person that suggested Jolyn Turner to Richie was Jolyn Turner. Because <laughs> yes, <laughs> there there's a series of interviews where Joe talks about they were they were in talks to do something and put Rainbow back together, and then all of a sudden Rainbow's out and Joe's left in the dust. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, there's a lot of I, and I don't know. If, are those more recent interviews from when they like put it back together in like like five six years ago or? There were some from the time, and then there's like another round of more recent interviews where he basically just hasn't let that go. And I mean, that, that would be so exciting for me if if my old band that was very successful that I love being a part of was going to get back together, and then all of a sudden he's sleeping with other people. Yeah, I mean that would that would upset me too. But you know, there's only so much you can talk about it. And, I just remember hearing one of the interviews, which it was very like Joel and Turner was like, hey, R- Richie wanted to get the band back together. And I was like, hey, oh, you're getting Rainbow back together. Oh, but it's not Joel. It's, this isn't Rainbow. This is like a cover band. Not that I mind. Not that I care. I got a lot of stuff going on. I got I'm busy. He's busy. But I'm thinking, hey, you got to have Joel and Turner in Rainbow. It's not Rainbow without me. Like, I, it, I should be the same. Not that I want to do it. I don't really want to do it. Like, I just, you know, and he just kept going in a circle like that for like five Very minutes. And I was like. Oh, yeah. man, you are really telegraphing how you feel about this. And then Very he's saying conflicting a, info. And then he's saying a jingle about a zoo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a zoo. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, um, so who does he get? He gets on bass Greg Smith. He was a bass player who played with Ted Nugent, Alice Cooper. Um, he played Blue Oyster Cult, Dokken, um, and JoLynn Turner and Wendy O. Williams. So there you go. Did um, he did he play in Blue Oyster Cult with Chuck Berge? I wonder. Um, I do not know. I don't know the uh, I don't know the uh, the history of Blue Oyster Cult, <clears> but um, it's quite possible. I have to look up on one of those like Wikipedia little timelines. I love those timelines that show when people are in the bands. That's, that's like yeah, I could look at those all day. Um, so in an interview. Richie says, Greg Smith I saw in one bar. He was just strong enough hard rock bass player that I was looking for. I immediately decided to take him to the group because I liked him as a person. No, however, when Greg brought his beer to rehearsals, I was impressed. It was interesting. Very strong beer that he brewed himself. That inspired me. (laughs) Richie interviews don't often shed a lot of light because you don't know where the joking (laughs) ends and the reality begins. Um, On drums, he gets uh, John O'Reilly. Um, is that, isn't, isn't John C. Riley? Is that the comedian? John C. Riley is the actor, yeah. Yeah, so not the. That'd be great if John C. Riley was on drums. Um, he had played with Jolyn Turner, um, Trans Siberian Orchestra, and he actually went on to play with Blackmore's Night. Um, or Richie says, the drummer actually, we changed him two weeks ago. The album featured John O'Reilly, a great drummer, but he had a slightly inappropriate playing style, but apparently he brought him back for Blackmore's Night. Um, uh, he didn't know how to swing, swing the way I would like. Instead of him, we now have Chuck Berge, who already played in Rainbow. As soon as Chuck joined the band, uh, rhythms that we could not work before became available to us. It's amazing. He does a great uh, job with the syncopation that I liked a lot. On guitar, we have a guy named Richie Blackmore. We won't get into that. On keyboards, Paul Morris, who played with Doro and JoLynn Turner. Richie says, I met him about 10 years ago. He got my attention back in 1981 when I auditioned keyboardists for Rainbow. But then I decided to take David Rosenthal, even though Paul showed a good result. He he reminds me of Beethoven. There's a lot of fire or aggression in his playing, but he's a very passionate and quick-tempered musician. This helps a lot in self-expression. Music conveys the life and emotions of a person. Sometimes he pisses me off, but he's a real musician. (laughs) Already pissing him off. In Deep Purple, everyone completely lost their aggression. They had no feeling for music, and I believe that musicians should have a temperament for a musician is necessary. Nobody knows... Uh, when he will explode, but he can play. It suits me. I also explode sometimes. And then he laughs. So wait, I'm confused. Where, where is Chuck? Chuck's not in the album, right? 
He's not on the album, but I guess he joined shortly after the album was recorded. So he did the tour. Part of it, and then you know who took over. Right. <laughs> John Maselli. Um, so, <clears throat> and then on vocals, he gets none other than, of course, Doogie White. Um, he played with um, Midnight Blue. Uh, he went on to play with Ingve, M3, and Michael Schenker. Uh, so Richie says, uh, yes, no question. These guys are great musicians and have a lot of creative potential. Our keyboardist has hundreds of ideas, and uh, the, the way they translate it is they call him Dougie, which is funny to me. It makes me think of, uh, was it like Dr. Evil's name in Austin Powers, Dougie, when he finds out at the end that he's, spoilers, he finds out he's the brother of Austin Powers, and and uh, Michael Caine's like, Dougie. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh We'll say do I'll, I'll translate to Doogie so we, I don't keep laughing. Doogie, our singer, is incredible. And imagine I can have fun with a singer. The guy can sing anything from Scottish folk songs to spontaneous blues. He can also laugh heartily. I, you can also laugh heartily at him. I've never had such a relationship with a singer. Ronnie James Dio was also a great singer. But outside of the band, he always wanted to be left alone. With him, you couldn't go to a bar and have fun. Doogie, on the other hand, is a very extrovert and is always out for nonsense. Then he goes on to say in another interview, I heard Doogie's voice on some recording when I was sorting through the pile of accumulated tapes. I liked his voice and I asked my girlfriend, what kind of tape is this? His London phone number was written on the cassette and we told him that we'd very much like to see him in our project like that. Um, on Richie's criteria for choosing a singer, he says, first of all, the singer must be a good person and sing from the heart. Let's just say I would like a vocalist to become my voice, but it seems to me that now there are not enough good singers. Many are recruiting groups of friends. Because of this, it's impossible to listen to many vocalists because they are only required to be good friends. It was the same with the Beatles, but they were lucky in this. He laughs. Uh, when a person does not know how to sing and friends tell him that he has a cool voice, uh, this will not add charm and skill to his voice. Jeff Beck, one of my idols, once said, all singers are masturbators. Of course, he has the right to say so. He worked with Rod Stewart. After that, I would stop working with vocalists altogether. I agree with him. It's rare to find singers who really know how to sing, so I was lucky to find Doogie. Then he finally closes up with saying on Doogie's writing process, he made a big contribution to the creation of the album. This surprised me. Once I played a riff to him and asked, can you sing along to this? Two days later, he brought a cassette tape containing eight different vocal melodies for the song. It amazed me. How about this? So wait, I still have another option. Each option was interesting in its own way. It's not often that you meet a person who has so many good ideas. Then I realized he could be useful to us. So that's his breakdown of the members of the band. At least throws a he throws a dig in at Rod Stewart, who hasn't he who he tormented early on in Rod Stewart's career, and he's coming back to just throw a shot at him. Although Rod's doing okay. Um, I just like how he sounds like the evil the evil uh, boss. You know, he's like he could be useful to us. <laughs> he could be useful to <laughs> this Doogie could be useful to us, Dougie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Then, um, of course, we do have Candace Knight um, on backing vocals, Doogie White on backing vocals, and a guy named Mitch Weiss on harmonica, um, who he's got like quite a few links to like stuff he's still doing. He's like in a um, a, a Latin, he's a, he's um, in this jazz Latin rhythm blues sort of band, um, <clears throat> and he has played, uh, I guess his band has played on the scene, and he played with uh, Jan Hammer, so... Um, 
There you go. Um, technical, it's mastered by Vlado Meller and then produced by Pat Regan. This is an interesting one. Pat Regan's got a bunch of credits, but the one that got my attention the most is his work with none other than Weird Al Yankovic. He played Ooh. keyboards with Quiet Riot, but he also performed on two albums, two of Weird Al's albums. First, Dare to be Stupid and the Polka Party album. So there's your Weird mm. Al to Deep Purple connection. Nice. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. So there you have it. Um, that's the, uh, before we get into the album art, that is the kind of rundown of what we're looking at here. It's interesting. I, I had not heard of a single one of those musicians um, when I got the album, I looked at the credits. I'm like, I don't know anybody, not one soul. So mm-hmm. it, I really didn't know what to expect upon first listen because it could have gone anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, knowing that by the time that I found it, Blackmore's Night was already going. So I really wasn't sure what to expect. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, like I said, overall, I enjoyed the album, but it's it's definitely an album that sits alone. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it's obviously separated by what, how long was it between albums, like 12 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it seems very kind of, yeah, by itself. Yeah. Um, all right. So, oops. Did I... 12 years, a lot of hatred and a lot of flying spaghetti. <laughs> a lot of spaghetti. Um, all right. So here we go. Here's the album cover. Guys, what do you think of this? wants to wants to kick it can you see it mm-hmm. yep okay good. i'll start um <laughs> i i like it um i think it's it really feels like it's it's bridging the gap between hard rock and where he was headed with blackmore's night because just looking at that sort of gold design around the b for blackmore mm-hmm. um definitely looks a little bit more renaissance and elegant than i would expect for you know a hard rock album um, especially, I, I like how the the album title is like the least important thing in the picture. It's just kind of blended into the sky, and it's a very basic font. Whereas Richie Blackmore's Rainbow is, uh, you know, very outstanding. You know, the black lettering against the lighter background. Uh, I, I love that it kind of just looks like Richie's playing for the trees. Like he just went out and he's like giving his little trees a concert. Yeah, he's on like a little hill, just kind of. It also looks like he's just. <clears throat> Almost like sacrificing himself, like, come get me. I'm I'm here. You know, come in yeah. <laughs> some bear's gonna run out of the woods and actually it almost looks like there's like a wolf in the on the on the right I was gonna say, as soon yeah, as you said that, I noticed that. I never yeah. noticed that before. I don't think I have either. Uh I, I like it, but also I, I just realized this is Richie Blackmore's rainbow. So yeah. mm-hmm. so how how does this work? If you're looking at like one of those family trees, would this album be under the album Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, because that was the only other album that was credited to that band name. The first one. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, they're all considered Rainbow, but yeah, it's, it, this is the only other one that has yeah. Richie, uh, Richie Blackmore. Or, or yeah, is, there was wasn't a there debut? like a brief time when like Rising was called Blackmore's Rainbow or something? And I don't think so. I thought he like kind of phased that. it out over time, but the black. I, I know it was the debut, and then there was this album. So those are the only two that have yeah. his name in it. Um, so he obviously must have wanted to go back to. This is you better know who this whose band this is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It, it's weird too because the the angle of this, it almost like the right side almost looks like that's an acoustic guitar, but you can mm-hmm. tell clearly by the neck it's a Strat. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I, I kind of like the silhouette, the silhouetted Richie. Yeah, mid nineties yeah, Richie. Definitely a cool cover. The only thing I never liked about it was the the way that the the wind had blown his hair because it makes it look like that fake like Ian Pace at the time like wig that he was wearing. You know, like when he yeah. was playing the shows and were like the the bottom of it didn't look right. Well, it could like, be a reason for that. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Richie's Richie's wigs throughout the years have been pretty exemplary, if you ask me. Yeah, it um, kind of looks like the hair on the on like a romance cover model. You know, where it's like it, it couldn't that's just not natural the, the way, way they it paint expands those. across the bottom. If you like cover up the uh top of his hat, it kind of looks like just like Darth Vader's helmet. Or what what was which uh Pirates of the Caribbean movie was it where their hair just kind of floated in the air really bizarrely because they were cursed? The one oh, where they were finding the fountain of youth, their hair was just like it was like they were underwater, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. And so everything was just very unnatural. That's what it reminds Wasn't me that of. The first one, because mm-hmm. all the pirates were cursed. No, it was it was the one without um, the good cast. No, I don't know. I like after yeah. the second one, I bowed out on that series. <laughs> First one was good, yeah. <clears throat> but overall, a very cool uh, looking album cover. And one thing that I noticed too, which I don't know if it's um, the the outline of him, like if you look at like the right sleeve and everything like that, it almost looks like there's a glow, like a little neon mm. outline around him. Mm. and um, even his like on his legs like on the tops of his legs yeah like right under where mm-hmm. his jacket is you can kind of see like that white because it's just that light shining on him from the front getting picked up by the camera almost looks like he was cut and paste into the picture yeah, like overall it, it is a cool concept uh for for the cover i i do like it yeah i i like the the like the mood of the sky and and just the shading like the environment of it it just reminds me of like an early fall evening yeah, well, it's going to have to either be the late fall or anywhere from late fall to late spring because those trees are bare. Yeah. He's just standing out there. No, it's probably like his backyard in New York or whatever. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um. So this uh, photography on this was done by... Um, uh, by Frank Oakenfelds, who I looked up and he did photography for REM and Mary Shapen Carpenter, who interestingly enough, my uncle used to play drums for. Really? Um, yeah. It's kind of an interesting little fact. She, she went to uh, uh, Brown University in Rhode Island and in, in college, he, he was her drummer. Um, kind of interesting. And then she went on to achieve uh, quite some success. And just um, left him there. Left him behind. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, then uh, so on the album cover, uh, Richie says of the album, uh, I'm sorry, of the album title, he says, this is a phrase from the song Black Masquerade. These words mean that there is an inner stranger hidden in each of us. I believe that anyone who thinks they know themselves is not really aware of themselves. I know this from myself. Sometimes I myself do not understand why I do some actions. It was as if it was another person inside me in those moments. Was it me or was it another person? I seem to think it has something to do with the soul, yin, yang, good and evil, white and black, two elements completely opposite to each other. People often ask themselves, why did I do this? This all is the stranger in each of us who constantly accompanies us. It is a mystery, distorted world that we cannot control. Um, the interview, then the interviewer says he would like to meet the stranger. And Richie says, 
I meet with him all the time, but in my case, it seems to me that this is a woman. I'm looking for my man. <laughs> so okay. I don't really know what that means. I don't know if Richie knows what that means, but it's funny nonetheless. Um, all right. So before we actually dive into um, this, these album tracks, we have to do one thing, and that is, of course, to thank. Oh, but actually, before we do that, the 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 inner workings of the album art. I almost forgot. Um, so just some basic on the CD, some basic lyrics, nothing crazy. Um, you've got these pictures of the band looking very. This is when you, when I say it's kind of pushing Blackmore's night territory. There's Candace in her full on Renaissance fair garb. Everyone else is wearing a lot of vests and puffy pirate shirts. So they're they're getting there. They're getting they're on their way. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, portrait of Richie, some more lyrics, nothing crazy. Um, uh, and then Richie, who's also um, rocking his uh, Inigo Montoya look. Yeah, this is like <laughs> peak Inigo Montoya. He's looking for the six fingered man. Um, then the um, uh, the liner notes at the end kind of highlights all the people we've kind of already talked about. He gives thanks to first and foremost Candace for her uh, inspiration, her imagery and showing me who to trust. It goes on to thank a bunch of other people. And at the end, he thanks his dad, my dad for buying me the guitar that started us all started it all. So very nice. Nice. He, he left off the part where his dad threatened to smash it over his head if he didn't learn how to play it. But you know, or, or if he, <laughs> he threatened to smash it over his head, if he didn't put down that camera, <laughs> don't take a picture yeah. of me, son. I'll knock that camera right out of your hand. Um, okay. So, um, before we, uh, get into the songs themselves, thanking our patrons at the core level at the $7.77 cent, keep it warm rat tier, Michael Vader and Richard Fusey at the $6.99 new nice price tier fielding Fowler at the episode $6.66 tier, Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith and Anton Glaving at the $6.65 almost evil tier, Kenny Wymore at the $5.99 cent, the nice price tier, Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, Michael Bagford, and Carl Helberg. And at the $5 money lender tier, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Alman, Alexi, the perfect stranger, Slepikoff, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Kev Roberts, Zwapper, the electric alchemist, Percival Frequency, and Scott Zerns. Thank you so much to all of your generous support for the Deep Purple podcast. And with that, we cut right into the opening track, which is, of course, Wolf to the Moon. I wonder if that's the wolf in the picture. I'm wondering about that now. Nice. I mean, this is kind of what you'd expect from a classic rainbow. Mm-hmm. Definitely a good album start. The, the word gypsy is thrown in there within three seconds of the vo- vocal starting. And it, it just, is it just me or does Doogie remind you a lot of JoLynn Turner on like Difficult to Cure? You kind of hear h- hints and shades of a lot of different singers in him. He's very versatile. Mm-hmm. And from the few live things I've seen, he's like one of the few people I think that could nail every era of the band. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely hear a lot more JLT so far. That style, anyway. Mm-hmm. 
And this is the other thing that's kind of weird about this is this is the first Rainbow album in a while that Roger Glover didn't produce. Hmm. That's right. Be weird if he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I hate would've. you. Goodbye. Can you produce my next album? <laughs> <laughs> well, it would also be very in line with <laughs> their history. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Join the band. You're fired. Wait, I'm going to hire you back to play on it. Wait, can you produce it too? Wait, you're back in the band. No, you're fired. I think this song has got a good mix to it too. I mean, you can you can hear the bass, you can hear everything. Except keyboards. Yeah, the keys are very hidden. This is a nice part. Cool tempo change. Yeah, really unexpected. And when he was doing that really upfront guitar, it sounded like the guitar by itself, you could hear the keys kind of backing it up in the far background. Mm -hmm. But it's not that balance that you usually get from a Rainbow album, you know? No. It's like a highway star, sort of. Hmm. Or was it more burn? Yeah, kind that was very classic, classic rainbow. Lots of transitions in this song. It's a very complicated song. It is, yeah. But you know what this song says to me is this song says, I miss my strat and I miss rock and roll <laughs> and I needed to get this out of my system. Yeah. <laughs> it says one more time before I get medieval on your asses yeah. but, but it, it kind of makes <laughs> me wonder if, if that wasn't like the premise like maybe that's why this didn't go any further he already knew he was going to be doing the Blackmore's Night thing and he's like before I do that I want to do one more rock album he seemed to be dropping a lot of hints about it about going towards that medieval style in interviews mm -hmm. and such well, I mean, the song's called Wolf to the Moon. If that isn't a Blackmore's Night title. I know, that might as well be a Blackmore's Night title. It doesn't sound like a Blackmore's Night song. but Right. I mean, all the Seinfeld shirts on the uh, band members, too, probably uh, <laughs> indicated that as well. I heard a little organ there at the end. Yeah, it's definitely mixed low, but it's it's yeah. it's in there. But that's kind of a an onslaught to start the start the uh, album off. Mm -hmm. um, so who wants to go first? Do we have our guest go first with what your thoughts are and how you'd rank that song? Yes. It's the first time I've ever rated a song on the know, Deep Purple right? podcast. is unprecedented. Oh, this is a big moment. After all these years. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give this song a four. I think this is a, a really good album opener. It's full of energy, lots of surprises and twists. Um, yeah, it, the only complaint I have about this song really is that I just wish there was a better organ to guitar balance, but uh, definitely a, a strong way to kick off your new album. All right. 
John, I have to wait. I have to wait to get into the sheets because can you believe the app offloaded on my phone? Because that's how long it's been <laughs> so long since we recorded. It's like, oh, he doesn't use this app anymore. You can just tell me and I'll, I'll type it in while you wait for, wait for yeah. it to load. <laughs> I mean, yeah. OK, there we go. I, I did. I usually don't open it up until there we go. Um, oh, me fumbling with the spreadsheets. Isn't I know, it's never it's ends. Fun. You're going to have to play your, your uh, John music early. You have to play, yeah, I know. I could get my jingles out here. Okay. Um, here we go. All right. Um, okay. Um, yeah, 2.5. Two, I didn't wow. really like it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just like, honestly, like I thought it sounded, I thought everything on it sounded weak. Like that's no other way that I can describe it. Like I know it was trying to sound like aggressive or like a barn burner out of the gate, but there was just something that was missing. It just didn't sound strong enough. Do you think it was the production though? Maybe the guitar tone wasn't biting. Like the vocals sounded kind of weak. Even the drums sounded kind of weird. Like I don't like, they didn't sound bad. It's just like, it felt like they were trying to do something and it missed the mark. There, um, there I, is a lot of reverb on that snare. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like they're really trying to make the snare sound big. And instead of doing that through EQ, they just threw a lot of reverb on it instead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm just wondering if 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 what you're hearing is that you don't like the actual song as much or the just if it were mixed better and was punchier and had a heavier sound to it. Maybe because I mean I heard a lot of elements that were familiar to a rainbow song and to Richie's playing, but even the solo was just kind of sounded like meandering and like he didn't have any power behind it. Like um, I don't know, it was almost like yeah, I'm still in Deep Purple. I don't really care. <laughs> like this to me didn't sound like the comeback album, the comeback track for the the first song on a rainbow album. Hmm. Um. Yeah, plus the, I don't know, the, the title was kind of dumb. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Wolf to the moon. Like, I don't get it. All right. The, it's like the Black Horse Night influence is, is, is souring John early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, here we go. I'm hoping that I have more. I'm really hoping that I like some stuff on it. I'm not trying to be a bastard about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will I will give it a 3.5, a little closer to Scott than to John. Uh, but I I liked it. I, I I can see though what John's saying with some of like the I, I maybe it was a little um but I think it's a production. Like I think the production could could have been maybe a little bit more in your face. Mm-hmm. But it just happened not to be. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of my my take on that particular song. But I I don't know. Overall I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a good track. Um all right. So next track up and find where we are here. Um, and as I enjoy a Japanese Kit Kat, I'm going to candies from around the world. Uh, the Japanese, you know, the Japanese there. And there's uh, we will, on our next episode, we'll get into it. But there's a Japanese bonus track. So, I'll, you know what? I'll save this for next episode. Put this what what flavor go. is that? Like mango? No, it's uh, it's like a, a chocolate orange flavored. See, it's like a little orange, right. orange just together. Okay. I'm so tempted to travel to Japan just to try the Kit Kat flavors because they've got everything over there. Well, don't, you know, just come here. It'll be a lot quicker trip. 
<laughs> you could probably yeah. get them in Vegas too. <laughs> yeah, I could Although, leave the house once in a while. And I would I like to. Yeah, don't leave the house. We've we've determined that that's yeah, bad, especially it, on recording it, day. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, don't I, I gave it three hours. I had a three hour window, and I still was late by if, an hour. If it's within eight hours of recording a podcast, don't leave the house. That's that's the, the rule of thumb. Okay, um, yeah, not, if I ever I'm, have a car thing I'm, driving my kids all around Kingdom Come right before our shows, we're uh, going to be in trouble. I uh, will. So we're not going to record the second part of this until next week. So I will just stay home. <laughs> Don't leave for an entire you. week. Thank you. <laughs> we see him next week. Is like a visible odor coming off of him. <laughs> yeah. well, no idea where my car out. is. And <laughs> um, okay. So next track up is uh, the track Cold Hearted Woman. Musically, this is very rainbow. Very difficult to cure. Yeah, yeah nice yep. groove. I'm hearing a lot more JLT influence on those vocals. Mm-hmm. All right, a little bit. I heard a little bit of Ronnie in that Mercy. Yeah, I, could, I, could. I see where I see where I mean, you know, maybe it's because he said it, but I'm seeing where he's coming from now is, is that he can kind of mimic those two styles mm-hmm. or singers rather. Yeah, but I, I could see JLT singing these. Yeah. The so, the names of the songs and the lyrics would be much different, though. Mm-hmm. Well, the cold hearted woman. No, I thought probably be just exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a cool riff, though. Yeah, classic Richie riding those riding those octaves. Yep. Yeah. It's interesting to see if. Some of these riffs, this, how they would fit in with Deep Purple if they had done a, a follow-up to the Battle Rages on. Mm-hmm. That Candid- bridge. Yeah? That bridge sounds like something from I could see Mark Three. From what? Mark Three. It sounds like something from Mark Three. I can't put my finger on it, but I will. I know what it is. It was from a Coverdale solo album, Queen of Hearts. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, I love that song. But the but the bridge does have that. I mean, even though it was post Deep Purple when he was on his own, that kind of has that same kind of same like melody to it. Right. Yeah, I'm detecting more JLT than I ever really kind of realized with this album. Sorry I ruined it for you guys. <laughs> that doesn't ruin it at all. He's my soul brother. Next week you're going to come in, I'm going to be shaved bald, and I'm going to have a snake around my neck. 
and a lot of guy liner on. See, the thing is, like, I'm by this little... point in the song, I'm sick to death of that riff. Like, you got to do something else. It's been, like, way too much of this riff already. Yeah, the riff is kind of repetitive, yeah. I'm hearing, like, a, like a, almost a clav coming from the keyboard, if you listen yeah, real me closely. Too. Is Candace backups on this one? Um, I thought I heard a Stevie, little bit of... Stevie Wonder sitting back there. <laughs> That was very Glenn Hughes right there. Yeah, Glenn Hughes, Stevie Wonder, six of one, half a dozen of the other. I like the keys there, though. That sounds nice. fade out i like that little kind of like symphonic that's like clearly a synth but it sounds like mm-hmm. it's trying to it's like synth strings i, I kind of like that effect i think it, it's i think it's that but i think it's also got like an ooh pad that they're playing at the same time oh yeah yeah layered in yeah <laughs> an ooh pad i like that <laughs> <laughs> that's that was some nice layering though at the end i liked mm-hmm. it it's kind of a, a, a like orchestral sort of, you know, we're not going to bother bringing in a full orchestra with this, but I, I kind of like that effect. Yeah. All right, Scott, what are you going to go with on this one? I'm going to I'm going to go with a three point five. Um, I would have given it a three if it wasn't for the ending, just because that that riff was just way too much. Mm. You know, I, I liked it at first, but it's like going from the last song that had so many changes then to this song, which is like just repeat 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 was yeah. a little uh off-putting um but uh yeah i mean it's a, it's a decent song but that's i think that's where it sits for me all right john i'll give it a three all right um i i definitely i liked it better than the first song um i like the i like the groove but i agree that by the end it was like okay this there needs to be something else in here besides this main riff it's too repetitive but um yeah i did i did like it although um i i still think it sounds like it's holding back a little bit on the the energy like i said i don't know if it's the performance i don't know if it's the production but um and so far i'm finding like doogie's voice to be a little weak like, i don't know I, like, would, I, mean, I, he, I think he's got a strong uh, that I would probably attribute to production because I think he's I'm, no I mean he doesn't yeah. like he's not a bad singer but it's just like I don't know you hear you think of a powerful singer and it's just it's not not cutting through here he's he's not pushing those notes like like say Glenn would be like you know where he like really digs in a little bit more I, th- I feel like yeah. he's singing comfortably yeah yeah um, you know, it's interesting, too, because when you guys did the Battle Rages on, you kind of had similar notes on the production. You know, mm-hmm. like some of the songs, they they like you could tell it was there, but it just didn't push hard enough. It just didn't really punch through and have the energy that they were going for. And I'm wondering if if this is like a sign of that time. Yeah, maybe it, it's like. Like a balance between this and brick wall mastering would be nice, you know, like that, that to me just is so fatiguing, but this Mm -hmm. is, is like 
weak a little bit and the same I felt felt with battle rages on um, where it, it, maybe it just comes down to how it's compressed because we do listen to this at a slightly lower volume because of you know the, the nature of the show that being said there's plenty of other albums we play where they sound that the sound comes through and kick it with the same setup and kicks ass so it could yeah. maybe maybe be that mid 90s mid-tone production it could be mm-hmm. a number of things um one thing that i thought about when after both of you talked was a, a uniquely like late 90s experience um this happened one example of what happened to me and i'm sure it's happened to you guys in different uh scenarios i remember me and my buddy chris who i own the recording studio with years ago we um we watched like i think it was austin power yeah, it was the first austin powers dvd it was like one of the first dvds i had this was probably 98 99 something like that and we watched the movie and we like fell asleep and then like all night we kept wake and it, at, when the dvd was done it would go back to that title screen and it would be on this like, repeat for like a 10 second repeat and i just remember all night and for, you know didn't get up didn't turn the tv off didn't do anything but it was just this yeah baby like all night yep. long and every dvd was like that it would go back to the title screen and it would be a very short loop like a 10 second loop mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this riff was like for me. Was just like, yeah, it was just a like, great okay, example. Like the annoying Austin Powers DVD title loop. Yeah, and you're in this like weird sleep paralysis <laughs> where it's annoying you, but you yet you're not getting up and turning it off. But so, <laughs> right. in, so you just deal with it all night, and then you know, 25 years later, you're still thinking about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of that being said, I'm giving it a 3.5. I like the song. I like I even like the riff. But it, yeah, I, I see where you you guys are coming from with how repetitive it was. Yeah, baby. All right. So let's go into the next track, which is the track Hunting Humans and in parentheses Insatiable. This one's uh, bordering on six minutes. Hmm. Oh boy. Typical. Ooh. Man, I haven't heard that kind of flange since Straight Between the Eyes. Yeah, right. Reminded me of something I can't put my finger on it. The first thing I think of is Jill and Turner walking out on stage and going, Have you ever had sex? <laughs> well, I have, and I'm insatiable. <laughs> that almost sounded Aussie ish. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Right. The effect on the voice, too. He's like the rich little of vocalists. <laughs> This is going to be a long <laughs> slog. 
You know, it's it's so tough with lyrics, and you know, John was just on my show. We just did a four-part series on uh, on Poison, and we were talking about some of the lyrics, and I kind of feel like some of these lyrics are stretching it a little bit. Mm. Like I found a rhyming dictionary. Yeah, exactly. This is really, this part is really reminding me of something. Did he say helmet love? All right. No, we don't usually talk about lyrics too much, but I'm, I got to look them up for this one. Sometimes they stand out. I don't know. I just, I don't know. This this song right here exemplifies how there's just there's, there's no there's no urgency behind the music. There's nothing. I just feel like there's no passion here. This is They're a just like, plotting. All right, let's just like let's just play the song. Dong 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 dong. You know, it's like. I mean, if you're trying to be purposefully restrained, that's one thing. But it just sounds boring. Yeah, I, I mean, I like a good patient piece of music but it has to build to something and we're already what more than halfway through the song and it's really just still the beginning yeah I mean the one thing I'll say is this is very uh for Richie and for Rainbow this is a very experimental track yeah But as we dealt with a, in a recent album, we had, did, oh, what is it? The Demon Driver was an experimental track, but it was not a favorite of either of ours. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Very interesting song, though. And those little fill-ins are so richy. Yeah. I feel like this was the point where he just started soloing over everything, regardless of what was going on in the song. <laughs> he got bored, so he just started soloing. <laughs> yeah. Well, John Lord said he, he always hated playing the rhythm parts. Well, Richie did? Yeah, which is why John developed that rhythm organ style, was because he said that Richie was kind of a lazy guitarist because he never liked to play the rhythms. He still hasn't stopped. He's like, surely we would have, surely we would have faded this out by now. It's not like we'd make this a five-minute, forty-four-second-long song. Yeah. I, there's like a band from the '80s. This is reminding me of, and I just can't put my finger on it. But it's interesting. I'll text you guys at like 3 a.m. when I think of it. <laughs> Again, I'll probably still be up. <laughs> well, yeah, you're two hours behind me and three behind John. Right. So John will not appreciate it when he has to be up for in an hour for work. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, just, um, I turn my phone off at night when I'm in bed. There, yeah, smart. It's because you're friends with Rich. <laughs> <laughs> like my mom, my mom leaves her phone at like full volume and then and she has like every alert known to man on. And then my, like, my other aunt will like, post something on Instagram at, at, at like 
you know, four thirty in the morning when she wakes up. I was like, Bling! and my mom's get all mad. Why is she posting so early? It's like, mom, turn it off. You don't have yeah. to have it on. Right. The the problem is not with her. No, it's not my aunt's fault. I love you, mom, but turn the volume down. Um, okay, hunting humans. Scott, <laughs> you Everyone, know I know everyone's uh, eager to hear what John's going to say, but I am. I I think I know where he's going to go with this, but. There was a there was a song on Bananas called Never a Word. And when mm-hmm. they interviewed John Lord about that album, he said it, it, it really made him concerned because it was like the song was going somewhere, but just never got there. And then it was over. And I kind of feel like this was the same thing. It was like, hey, I'm really excited to get to this place. I'm going to share the journey with you. But all we ever got was the journey and not the destination. Mm-hmm. Um, I also kind of feel like somebody just recorded Richie playing in the same key of the song for a couple of minutes and then just slapped that <laughs> onto the end because it didn't seem relevant to the song at all. Mm. And normally he's, I, I find him to be very tasteful with his solos and very relevant to the song. And this was just him soloing. I don't think he even knew anyone was in the room. So I, I, I'm going to have to give this song a, a, a 2.5. 2.5. All right, John. Um, I thought it was really boring, honestly. Um, I'm giving a 1.5. Wow. Is that the lowest you've ever rated a song that wasn't no. Warhorse? Um, no, no, I've, I've given a zero before. <laughs> That's right. Nate you remembers. did. I forgot. Remembers I forgot unprecedented what song, zero. What song it was. I'm scrolling yeah, back. Flaming buttholes. It version of the. Oh yeah. Yeah. Flaming lips. I gave it a one, but I think only because I didn't realize you could give a zero. <laughs> hey, we write the rules here. That's right. Um, one day he'll come no, up with a negative number. <laughs> yeah, can I give it negative? This no, this one was just um, yeah, this one was just a slog. Like I, mm. I, I was like I was bored through the whole thing. I don't even think I was paying attention through most of it. It was like I think. Again, Scott said it best. Like it, it, what I was feeling or thinking is exactly that is we were going somewhere and then we just never made it. It's mm-hmm. like it just kind of trailed off and we're like, oh, okay. It's so, almost like um, we were like packing to go somewhere and we never even went. <laughs> Maybe the yeah, journey we never the started. Case, then we unpacked it and that was it. Hey, Tie your shoes. <laughs> get your luggage. <laughs> Bring your towel. We're not. But yeah, there were. <laughs> they don't have bath towels. No towels. Slimy sex toy. <laughs> it's a Mooties Aaron B. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, it was just uh, it was. Yeah, there were there were really there was really no dynamics. Um, it was it, it was. Um, yeah, I just feel like Richie just was not thus far very inspired. Um, therefore, I could not even give it like like two point five is like a half. Like, OK, it's average. I just felt like this was and it was lower than a two, in my opinion. I but I mean, I don't want to give it a nothing because, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but. I wouldn't listen to it again. Please don't make me. Well, in a special unprecedented turn, we're going to listen to that one again just to make sure we get the numbers <laughs> oh, right. Oh, God, no. Um, I'll, be right, I'll be back. You'll just see a blank screen for the next six minutes. Um, I will I will give it a two. Um, I think the, the redeeming quality for me is that they were trying something new and being a little more um, inventive 
experimental, doing something that was maybe not in the normal rainbow mold. But, you know, that whole boom, 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 that that got a little tedious. We talked about the riff in the previous song being tedious. This was way more tedious. And um, if they had done that for 30 seconds and then busted into a new thing and then never come back to it or maybe closed with it or whatever, I think I could have enjoyed it. But, yeah, it just seemed... That, that that's kind of the strange thing with, with some we've seen it happen with Gillen. We've seen it happen with Rainbow. Um, not really White Snake and Deep Purple, interestingly, but where that where this is like a six minute song that could easily be two and a half, three minutes. There's they're not creating anything new. The only thing that was yeah. really interesting is, you know, like you said, Richie was playing over it, but he was not maybe, <laughs> maybe not even playing along to it. Maybe they just pasted that on afterwards. Who knows? But um, but yeah, that's. That's my thought on it. I think it could have they could have done something with it, but they also could have cut a track. You don't need to have every every album doesn't have to be 10 songs. But and and I'll say I, I like the individual parts. Yeah. Uh, so it it feels like an unfinished idea or, or like a, just something that was in development that if a producer came in there and sat down and goes, OK, I like these two parts. We're going to just do that here and then here and here. And we need to write some stuff to go around that. I think this could be a really amazing track. I love the the like dark edge feel to it, um, which kind of the whole album has. But I, I really feel it more on the song. But I, yeah, it's just like here's this part for a long time, and then here's that part for a long time, and we're done. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I agree. All right. The next track up is a track called. Stand and fight. Guitar seems a little more upfront on this one. Mm-hmm. Nice harmonica by Mitch Weiss. Not a bad groove. Kind of a black sheep of the family groove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're doing that thing where they like have the note and then they drop it down halfway through where they change it. It's like so that's a classic rainbow move right there. Yep. You know what I just realized? I think part of why this album doesn't feel like it drives as much is because we're getting like hats on the two and four, but we're not even getting the quarter notes or the eighth notes. We're just getting boom, 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 boom. Instead of, you know, we don't have that real drive that's pushing the song. Hmm. Okay. Is he hitting the one in the? It just sounds like the one in the three. I can't tell if he's hitting the two and the three, the two and the four, but maybe not hitting it as hard. They might be very light, yeah, but not enough to push it. Definitely accenting it to an extreme. Yeah. Kind of like the way that Ian Pace plays Space Trucking now. You know, mm-hmm. he, he he's just playing it that same way. And Space Trucking Live just doesn't have that same drive to me that it used to because of it. Maybe this is what Richie was talking you know, about, um, where he felt like hearing the, uh, a little bit more of the uh, Paul Rogers influence here on the vocals. Yeah, 
could be great if they like reformed Rainbow and did one last album. Richie finally got to have Paul Rogers <laughs> <laughs> after all these years. I, I have more Rogers project. <laughs> I have to say, I, I would love to hear what he what because I think Paul Rogers is a good singer, but I don't think he fits anything that Richie has talked about doing with him. I've, and I've I, never I would just, understood. I, I would love to understand that vision. I can't hear him singing Burn or Space Trucking or, you know, Stargazer or anything, really. Oh, I know, our friend Scott, our other friend Scott, hates Paul Rogers so much. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> there's he? one of those, like, things where it's, like, you know, a group, like, a big group thing, like a We Are The World thing, and Paul Rogers mm. is involved, he gets so, he's, <laughs> ah, of course Paul Rogers is there, he gets all mad. <laughs> I'll tell you, I love that first album by The Firm. That, that he sang on that was fantastic. I've never, never heard it. Really? Yeah. No. Oh man. I've seen the album cover a million times. I got one of these days. I'm gonna have to break down and listen to it. I think I've already covered that on my show. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go. Well, there you go. I'll go back and listen to that. If if not, I will, and we can do it together. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a first time for me. We're bringing in the world's greatest firm expert, Nate, who's heard of the firm. <laughs> and that's about it. The firm is what? It's Jimmy Page, Paul Rogers. Is it Tony Franklin on bass? I think so. I want to say Tony Franklin. Who plays the drums? Um, I can't remember his name. I know he looks like Mr. Clean. <laughs> but he's a very solid drummer. I'm trying to think of... Um, uh, is it the uh, uh, Chris Slade? Chris Slade. There we go. Yeah, but look at how much of the song is left. Jesus. You're going to stand and fight for a while. I mean, the harmonica is really good. Yeah. It's actually blending with the guitar very well. Kind of a... I'm going to go out of limb and say this is the most southern rock that Richie's ever sounded like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could be a could be in an Allman Brothers song. Yeah, I feel like I was just listening to the to Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> the Leonard Skinner. Are you your mom? <laughs> Are we doing going to say the Allman Brothers? <laughs> Are we doing and then I switched it up at the last second? So uh, we doing Leonard a show Skinner's. on the Deep Purple. <laughs> With Ian Dillon. <laughs> Ian Price. <laughs> Ian Price. <laughs> One of the groups on Facebook today posted. Uh, was it Rich that sent it? Or was it you? Yeah. Rich no, sent I it? think it was. No, it was Rich. <laughs> it, was, it was like, you know, you know, sometimes in these groups, like people to spam them with like you buy our thing. And it'll be like a picture of Ian Gillen holding up a shirt, which he obviously never held up. And it would say something like deep purple is the best. And <laughs> like, oh, click here to buy the. But it was, it was a, a mug that said, what did it say? 
But it called it was a picture of Ian Pace, but it said Ian Price. <laughs> <laughs> what was the um I'm wait, like, are you going are you going back to oh, see it? Yeah, I'm going through the text. Oh yeah. Uh yes I am old, but I saw Ian Price on stage. <laughs> and I hold <laughs> it clearly senile. Uh, Ian Price. That that was good, that, but then, then didn't we so start bad. like doing like um like deep purple related names like saying them wrong but it was like with um with like dollar like uh price things in them or dollar amount things in them. <laughs> oh yeah we were trying to come up with like purchase related um well because i said my favorite guitar player in deep purple was tommy bowl loan <laughs> <laughs> and then you and said, you said like- uh, i like john afford <laughs> john afford <laughs> Oh yes, but then I ran out of him, and I said Ian Penicillin was my greatest singer. <laughs> Ian Penicillin, <laughs> you're like that has nothing to do with money, and I'm like, well, you have to buy penicillin, I guess. Yeah, that's uh, true. It's not free. You not in it. this country anyway. In most <laughs> normal countries, it would be. Um, Ian Price. Ian Price. <laughs> I, I would do anything for that mug. So <laughs> you know, that's. <laughs> I don't know if I ever talked about it on the show before, but you know what that, that makes me think of is because you were talking about how you wanted that so bad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's in line with that merchandise where there's so much that's wrong with it that oh, like if yeah, it's bootleg yeah. or something that it's like, you just, you really want it. And I had a friend who had, um, who had had a, a, a kiss t-shirt. It was a bootleg kiss t-shirt and had the, the first album cover picture on the front of it and on the back it had a big like i don't know like i think it had like a big globe or something like that and it said world tour 1984 and i was like <laughs> and he wore it once i said what the fuck is up with this shirt he's just like dude there was so much wrong with this shirt it's awesome <laughs> and it's like when something is that bad you can't not wear it and be you know if there are like subtle things wrong yeah. with a merchandise or something you'd be like Ah, bah, bah, you know, but it's like if there's something that like egregious, then there's like no way anybody could even take you seriously and and be like, oh, you know that this is, burr, 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 you know. It's like the so, uh, they, they post it every so often. It'll be like um, the Master of Puppets album cover, but it will say yeah. like Megadeth in the Slayer l- l- font, and then it'll say like you know Rain and Blood or State of Euphoria, something at the bottom. So it's like meshes together all these bands. But yeah, yeah, great stuff. All right, stand and fight, Scott. I'm going to give it a 3.5 because the, the harmonica is good. The song's got some energy. Um, I, I, I mean, I feel the same way about the production. I think it could have been driven a little bit more. Uh, but it's a decent song. I think it's a great harmonica effort and, um, you know, pretty lively. Agreed. John? Um, I'll give it a three. Um, I thought that it was uh, definitely better than the first few tracks we listened to. And especially that last like minute, minute and a half, maybe um, I really felt the, the power coming out. Like when we were, we were kind of talking, I heard that the, the drums kind of slowed down, I guess, to a halftime beat or something like that for like, maybe, I don't know, like a section. And then it sped back up. And then when Richie came in at the end, like with the, he, he was like doing some soloing and then the harmonica came in. And then when I was said like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's like came back with like some more power. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he did that slide, like at the very end, it was, um, it was a little flash of 
brilliance, little flash of what I was, what we probably hope to see more of, but we'll see. That's John right. the Optimist, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. <laughs> hey. John Optimist Matola. That's what they call him. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give this one a three as well. Thought it was good. The energy was good. Really like the harmonica thing. It might have been one of the better parts of the song. Um, you know, in, in many ways, it's kind of a lazy blues song, but mm-hmm. um, sometimes lazy blues songs are good. And I, I liked, I enjoyed that one. Um, so the final track we're going to cover on this episode is a track uh, Blackmore's Night fans will be um, familiar with. It's a track, Ariel. It is not about the Little Mermaid. Uh, although so gotta go. <laughs> um, so the first track on the uh, on the album Wolf to the Moon was co-written by Blackmore White and Knight. The next three were Blackmore and White, and this is the first recorded effort by Blackmore and Knight alone. So in some ways, kind of the first Blackmore's Night song. And uh, Richie said in an interview, I wrote this song at home in my bar. I came up with the instrument part and my fiance wrote the lyrics. So there's a fiance at that point. Because didn't they get married fairly recently? I think they got married after I did. (laughs) Yeah, they got married like 2010 or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm. No, I don't. I don't think it was that late. I thought they got married like like. uh, I'm looking it up now. Okay. Um. I I thought they got married in like 2008 or 2009 or something for some reason. Hmm. Um. I was trying to remember her like last anniversary Twitter post. Yeah, I'm seeing. Um, yeah, right, I don't former? even know where my car is right yeah. now. So no, he got yeah he got married after <laughs> me, but f- uh, but a few months later he they got married in like uh, late 2008. Wow, so fiance they were fiance for quite a long time. They were living oh. in sin. This was yeah this was uh, they got um, engaged in 1995 and married in 2008. So hey, good for them. Made sure that everything was good. But anyway, I wonder at what point he had to stop playing practical jokes on her. <laughs> he kicks her door in with an axe, <laughs> moves all of her clothes out onto the lawn in the rain. Um, so anyway, my fiance wrote the lyrics. She sang the chorus at the end. She has a great musical ability and helped us a lot with the album. She wrote the lyrics for the song in five minutes. This is surrealism a mermaid comes out of the sea and awakens the depths of the sea stuff like that as you know i'm not a very good at poetry i only listen to the texts of bob dylan and the poetry of other poets does not interest me therefore i respect people who can write good lyrics at first we plan to use the song in our future medieval project however it sounds so good in hard rock processing i thought it perfect for this band and decided to include it on the album and as uh, you may know uh blackmore's night would play the song in the future. Um, so here it is, the final track we're going to get into for this half of the album. And that is the track Ariel. Do not like that reverb on the snare. <laughs> Those are 90s drums right there. Yeah. I do like the kick sound, though. I like a good punchy kick. Yeah, not bad. little snake charmer Richie kind of a Gates of Babylon-ish yeah it it sounds like it could be at home in the Dio era yeah (laughs) 
keyboards are cutting through a little more. I like that like Arabic scale he's throwing in there mm-hmm. it's very reminiscent of 70s rainbow yeah like he, he would always throw those things into his solos but to actually make it like a repeating mm-hmm. melody in a song was very 70s right and I like how he just he always throws in that one muted note you know that, that's yep. just classic Richie And of course, those little just handful of note fill-ins that he puts in there. Ton of lyrics, and we're kind of through the whole lyric sheet so far. Wow, I never realized that. So it probably must get repeated later on. He mentions it being about a mermaid. There's nothing in the lyrics that would indicate it's a mermaid, but he's kind of just basically told us the song is about the Little Mermaid. <laughs> And Richie way undersells himself as a vocalist. He wrote the chorus to Space Trucking. That's right. He is the greatest lyricist. Come, Come on. on. Come on. Come on. Well, in all fairness, he wasn't serious. And Ian, Ian just said, yeah, that's really good. Let's go I with think that. Ian was like, yeah, I don't feel like coming up with anything. Yeah, that's fine. Come on. We'll, do, we'll just do that. Yeah. I'm not even going to bother Roger with this when we got it. Yeah, I'm like... I'm the guy who wrote the lyrics, uh, th- you know, three minutes before going on at the uh, concerto. <laughs> well, I'm not, yeah. not going to come up with anything better. It kind of reminds, it kind of like, kind of like got a, yeah, that Babylon feel, a kind of mm-hmm. uh, in ways like Stargazer sort of yeah, epic feel to it. Lies of fire in there doesn't quite scale those heights um, yet but yeah. yeah let's not even compare it to Stargazer I saw John get out of bit. his seat when he said that <laughs> <laughs> he's, oh, gonna, I'm leaving. he's yeah. gonna lunge at me through the camera <laughs> it doesn't have the song doesn't have that epic quality to it no it sounds like it, it could get there but at this point mm. minute and a half left I don't think we're getting to Scar- yeah. Stargazer territory this is a nice vocal right here Great set of pipes on them. Oh, 
That's now definitely Candace singing there. And an mm. ooh pad. <laughs> John's already excited. <laughs> yeah. Nice job, Yoko. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> It's like that scene in in Little Mermaid where she loses her voice and it go and she has to get it back. It goes in the little thing. Now it turns into Hotel California. <laughs> I was gonna say that reminds me of something. The more I'm looking at this album cover, the more it looks like Richie's trying to start a fight with that wolf. You want a piece of me? <laughs> <laughs> what, was that, what was that scene from Seinfeld where, uh, was it um, You see, Elaine you and, want a piece of yeah. me with the, <laughs> George George's father? <laughs> what the hell? What the are hell you does that, that mean? You want a piece of me? <laughs> you want it? You got it! <laughs> <laughs> to me, it looks like he's looking at that. He's like, I'm going to kick this wolf to the moon. <laughs> I'm going to wolf him to the moon. That's what it means. going to Alice wolf. crammed in his ass. Wolf to the moon, Alice to the moon. <laughs> okay. Ariel. Mm. What say you, Scott? <laughs> mm. I'll tell you where where the song loses me is at the end. I think after that that third pass on the vocal where he really hits the power note, mm. the song should have just ended right there. Just had that be really haunting and just that hanging in the air, that Ariel... And, and just let that be, and it should have ended there. I think everything after that was just kind of noodling. Yeah. Um, I would have probably given it a 4.5 if it had ended there, but I'll give it a 4, because I think it's a great song. That's really good. Yeah, it sounded... Um, his uh, delivery on that last set of lyrics was really... He was really emoting. It was very nice. I think, I think the best on the album so far. Mm-hmm. All right, John? Hmm... Two. Ooh, wow, man, Jonas. I'm not into it. Is this because I made it. you wait while I was getting towed? <laughs> <laughs> what would the score have been if, if, yeah. if uh, Scott hadn't got a flat tire? 2.1. I don't know. That <laughs> would have been lower. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like a lot of these um, ideas are, um, I mean, at this point, derivative and just kind of plotting and uh, they're not really holding my interest. There's nothing really dynamic or exciting in there that I, that I am hearing that's getting me like worked up. All right. Mm. Fair enough. Um, I will give it a three. I thought it was pretty good, but kind of, I think Scott highlighted a lot of the things that I noted about it as well. Uh, I think it could have been a little shorter or it could have built towards something a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked Doogie's delivery on the end there. Um, and yeah, from the from the early uh, rankings here, we won't know till next week, but I think this is the not only is this album a good bridge between Rainbow and Blackmore's Night, but I think our ratings are a good bridge for what we're going to see from John. <laughs> we get there. <laughs> it's already grinning about it. <laughs> I mean, I could, I don't know, I could surprise everybody. I mean, yeah, I don't think you're Even going myself. to. Even <laughs> myself. It's like, you ain't surprising nobody. No, you're not surprising. You're, you ain't surprising shit. <laughs> um, uh, I, well, you know. I think Bla- I think Blackmore's Night is going to break John. Um, mm. it's, it's just funny. Everyone's got their thing that they just can't get over, and I think that's what Blackmore's Night is kind of going to be for you. I don't think you're going to. 
I don't want to uh, call it, but I don't, just don't think you're going to find the good <laughs> or the, the I don't think you're going to find stuff in there that you're like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that I really love. Uh, mm, I'm not that I'm like a huge fan either. But um, anyway, that's uh, the first half, essentially, of the album. There's five more tracks that we'll get into next week, including and then a sixth bonus track that's available on the Japanese. You find my Japanese Kit Kat. Save the the or- chocolate orange Kit Kat for next week when we get into the Japanese. I'm gonna put it right here on the desk so I don't forget. Or my this is my bin of of candies that I got for in my stocking for Christmas from Santa this wow, year. Nice, mostly international. So I'll try to I'll try to pair them up with um, appropriate episodes. Okay, <clears throat> so before we uh, wrap it up. A few things uh, that we do, of course, have to cover. Um, and one of them is the most important thing that we have to do, which is to thank our amazing patrons of the show. And uh, coming in at the three pound aromatic feed, we have Simon Ford, this, the aromatic feed tier at the three dollar and thirty three cent halfway to evil tier. We have Raf Calf, Spike the Rock Cat and Spike's mom. At the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, we have Peter Gardeau. What <laughs> <laughs> the hell was that? Ian DeRosier. That's a Dymo label, isn't it? Is. it? Of course nice. it is. Ian DeRosier. Mark Roback. <laughs> then we've got Duncan Leesk, Stuart McCord, Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light, Ivan Fieldboo. <laughs> There's too many. There's too many things. <laughs> Runar Siemensen. JJ Stenard. Ruinous inadequacies and Mike Catan at the one dollar and seventy one cent. <laughs> I want my own tier tier. Rich Ingve Shaler. At the 10 Danish kroner <laughs> tier, Karsten Lau. At the $1 made-up name tier, to wrap it up, we have the cold-hearted tombstone, Leaky Mausoleum. Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999, Fanatic. Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel. Blackmore Tights. <laughs> and John Maselli. <laughs> he sounds like he saw what was in Mutiz's apartment is what it sounds like. Or he's getting used used on him or something. Oh my, holy cow. Was Blackmore Tights, was that my dad? Yeah. <laughs> he kinda, I love we, it. we might have to ask him to re-record it because he was like choking on something when he said it. Listen, this is the this is the unedited version. That's part of what makes it Blackmore Tights. <laughs> He was dying. He, he was coughing on something. Was it right after that? He was like, "Who are?" Or was it after Leaky Muslim? He's like, "Who are these people?" I think it was. Well, I can't remember. Was it Blackmore Tights? It might have been Leaky Muslim. I can't remember. 
Who are, no, who are he, these um, people? No, it was Leaky Mausoleum because you called it for like a year. Like if, if we ever asked my dad to do it, he'd be like, who are these people? And he did exactly that. Yep. Okay, I one, didn't know at what point he was going to say it, but I knew he would. We need one, one more time with the cough. <laughs> Blackmore tights. <laughs> so no, you, gotta, you gotta keep it exactly like that. I'll do that one. I'll, I'll, black more tights. I'll leave it without the the short version. But oh man, you should throw in the coughing. <laughs> it's like he's interrupting. <laughs> black more tights. Uh, oh my god! Anyway. I tell you, like this is <laughs> there are so many people with like friggin' sound effects and theme it's getting out of hand like but, that. It but is. you know what it was is the um, <clears throat> oh. we were talking about you know for those of you that don't know or are new to the show, Pete, Peter Gardot loves the Dymo labeler, and if you don't know what a Dymo labeler is, or if you do, um, I was digging around in my old stuff. I asked my dad to look for the Dymo labeler, and he couldn't find it. So I looked around hmm. in my old stuff, and I found this. It's wow. made out of metal, you know. It's a solid piece of Jeez. metal here, and uh, here it is. Just you know, I think you go through a nuclear blast. Oh and yeah, survive. this thing's heavy duty. And then I found not only that, but I found a, a five pack of ro- of labels for Oof. it. So I might maybe that could be a new special tier or a patron where I can send you a diamond label of something. <laughs> Boy, if the Gardot is uh, watching right now, you know he's salivating. He's like, "Oh, so many, so many labels. Oh, you, there's so many, there's so many things you could declare are yours." And, and you're going to close the Etsy store, and you just got a Dymo labeler. Come on, I know I should. I, yeah, special. Uh, yeah, for ten dollars, I'll make you a Dymo label of up to eight characters. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But anyway, um, so this is great. I love I love what the patrons have evolved into here with the sound effects. I love it. It's like the best best ending ever. The best patrons really appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah, (laughs) if if I can if I can somehow keep all these sound files straight, I can be able to execute this on a daily basis or on a weekly basis as it is. But but Scott, thank you so much for joining us in part one. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I hope you're so don't leave home until we do and when done part two, then you may yeah, leave. Stay home for the um, next week. Yeah. You know what I'm gonna do? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my door handle off and I'm gonna reverse it and I'm gonna lock myself in from the outside. There you go. Perfect. You said we couldn't talk Cobra Kai and I worked yes, it in. He just did. He uh, just worked uh, it in. No spoilers. <laughs> I'm sure you'll forget by the time you see it, Nate. Yeah, I'm sure I will, because it'll probably be like four years from now. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll yeah. catch up next week to uh, wrap wrap this album up. Hey, cheers. All right. Later, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Emil sound for musicians. Hey, Scott. Hey, how's it going? Can you hear me? Okay. You sound yep. really weird. Let me reboot. It happens every <laughs> once in a while. Ever since I upgraded to Windows 10, uh, it goes up like an octave. No, you're kind of down. You kind of sound a little man. You sound right like now. you have a cold. <laughs>
<laughs> you sound, sound, you sound like, like really macho and like you have a no, no, wor- no worry about it, man. I'll work through it. I'm cool. I'm tough. All right, <laughs> give me like a couple minutes. I'll be right back. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> It does. It literally sounds like he's got a cold. But he's also like, a t- he's being a tough guy about it. Hey, hey don't worry about me, man. Hey, just let's, let's do this. Don't let the sniffles stop me. <laughs> <laughs>